Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Bryce Johnson. What did you not How hear did me? You did drop I drop back out? You. I didn't. I I came right in. No, you just, just... Did you not? Did you, you not were, hear you, me? You were toking the weed, man. There was yeah. I Are you wish four twenty it over there? You four twenty it over there. Four twenty used to be my day. Unfortunately, it's not my day anymore. <laughs> I... Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> our uh, our uh, super producer. Riley Bray. Hey guys, why have you turned your back? So you've turned your back full time on on. Dude, I'm a teetotaliter, and it sucks. But uh, yeah, it's so. I weird don't know be- what that means. What's teetotaliter? Uh, d- uh com- straight and sober, straight laced. Oh. I thought that was. See, I don't even know what that means, dude. Yeah. I, I walk the was- line, as Johnny Cash would say. I thought that was just alcohol, but I guess it could apply mm. to everything. I think it applies to everything. <laughs> I miss High Bryce. That was good times. That's I miss not, High Bryce. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the thing to say to somebody who's trying to stay sober. I I you are the worst friend. Uh, it's all good. I'm going to make a comeback one day when I'm old and gray, and, 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 and I'm just going to get sloppy. So, How long have you not been smoking weed? Uh, that's, so, so smoking weed's been over two years, and then 10 years, uh, no drinky poos. Yes, I know that. All right. So, I just remember... Uh, I remember when your foot was injured, I drove you home one time. We made a little stop at the essential dispensary. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. It's funny. I find when I finally, you know, got my house, it was like right down the street from an amazing liquor store. And then the weed shop just opened up. And I'm like, why? Why? (laughs) God is testing you. (laughs) Well, congratulations on two years and 10 years. That's pretty impressive, dude. Um, Let's bring in our guest today. She is. Uh, she's an amazing music artist and songwriter. Her EP Technicolor Dream is now available. She's a friend of the clubhouse on top of it all. You might know her as Belle Saint, but here in the house, we know her as Caroline Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, Caroline Brooks. 
Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Oh. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Caroline, do you celebrate 420? Uh, I did last night, but I have not this morning yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's 419. <laughs> I know. Technically, I celebrate it. Well, I guess I didn't go to bed. I haven't been able to fall asleep till like 3 a.m. So I guess technically it was 420. Oh, wow. I think the last yep, time I actually got stoned was because of Caroline. Should we tell? <laughs> should we tell is this, this story? That, is this that story? Absolutely. Oh, wait, with, uh, Africa. Yeah. Yes. Did I tell this on the oh, podcast already? What? I don't think. No, you just told it to us. This story is so funny. You should tell it. It's so good. Uh, all right, uh, Caroline. Do you want to tell the story? Uh, I kind of want you to tell it, but also uh, I'm down to tell it if you want me. All to. right, you guys just tag team. Let's it. tag yeah. team it. So okay. Uh, mutual friend of the show, uh, are, of Caroline and mine, uh, is, but uh, my buddy Daniel, uh, was in town from Nashville and his wife wanted to go to Davy Wayne's. So we all went to Davy Wayne's. <laughs> Caroline showed up, uh, and she offered me a pen with, mm-hmm. uh, a weed pen. And, uh, I was used to one, having one that like, when you took a hit, it would buzz. So you knew like when you got a dose. <laughs> So, <laughs> rookie. I was like, I, yeah. So I, I had I'd had a couple glasses of rose. I was like, sure, let's do this. We're in seventies land. This is fun. There was a great cover band playing yacht rocks uh, songs. So she passes me the pen, and I'm staring at her while I take a hit, and I kind of see her face be like, oh. Because I realized that I'm taking the longest, biggest drag on this thing, so waiting long. for it. It's like the kind of pen that you like. You only really need to pull for like two to four seconds, and I think it was like a minute went by, and I was like, "Is he still pulling on that?" Like, <laughs> Michael's a baller. <laughs> like, Damn. Okay. And then this like huge puff of smoke, and his eyes got so big, and he was like, "Did I do that wrong?" And like. All this smoke started coming out of his mouth. <laughs> and then he immediately and... oh sorry. No, what what did I do? Oh, he immediately was like, Oh, I need to leave really soon. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, we just got here. I know, yeah. I gotta go. I know I, I gotta go. And I go. just <laughs> met Caroline like five minutes before this. And because the problem is I don't smoke a lot of weed because I get massive panic attacks if it's not like indica. So mm. I am standing there suddenly I'm because ultimately starting to freak out becoming paranoid i'm so worried that like i'm about to like have a paralyzing panic attack in the middle of this crowd in front of my friends and 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 their friends so i what i tend to do in that situation is just like shut down and not really communicate with anyone as to what's going on with me so i was like okay i just need to step away from the crowd i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna listen to the band so I walk into the living room. Davy Wayne's is set up. This place is set up to look like a 1970s living room for people who don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in this like 1970s living room and this cover band starts playing Toto. <laughs> and, or and they play Africa by yeah. Toto. And yeah, I start, I just get sucked into this performance. And at one point it's like 10, like maybe not even 10 seconds. And I was like, this is the, oh my God, this is like the greatest cover of this song I've ever heard. <laughs> and I looked around and, and and like Daniel and Caroline were still outside and I just like glued into this and I walked out after it was over and I was like, guys, guys, 
I just saw the greatest performance that any band has ever given. And they're like, okay, Michael, are you okay? And I started crying. (laughs) (laughs) I started openly weeping in in like a bar, like a bar full of hot young singles. I'm a 40 year old man, like crying, trying to, trying to explain how amazing this performance was. And it was, it was fucking incredible. Uh, That is so great. So, as I'm like, and Jordan, Jordan Daniels, I was like, oh, honey, that's so sweet. That's really nice. Are you okay? And I was like, I am. I'm actually really good now. And then suddenly, suddenly this other dude walks up to us. And as I'm like wiping tears from my cheeks and he goes, hey, were you in there? Did you see that? And I was like, I did. He goes, that was the greatest fucking cover I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> he must have hit Caroline's pen, too. <laughs> and I was like, and everyone was like freaking out because this guy just totally made me look like I wasn't completely insane. And I was That's like, thank great. you, thank you. And he's like, that was fucking awesome, man. I I, I was blown away. And he goes, listen, I'm going to be here for like 30 more seconds. Uh, come find me if you need drugs. And then he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome he probably just like, like saw an opening <laughs> yeah. that was like the best first dude. impression ever though i was like who is this guy and also i felt like the worst person because i was like oh my gosh i got their i've got michael's i got my friend's friends super high and i feel so bad and it was so funny because he like I didn't know that he went inside to like listen to music. I had no idea where he went at first. I was like, uh, <laughs> is anyone keeping tabs on Michael? I feel so bad. I just got him completely baked and now I don't know where he is. And then he comes back with just tears streaming down his face. <laughs> oh, and he's just like, guys, I just had the most incredible spiritual experience. And then like, we thought that like Daniel and I thought that he had like paid this guy. Cause he literally just like came in after him and was like, yo, did y'all feel that? <laughs> <laughs> Michael yeah. had a shamanic experience. I did. <laughs> and then, and then, and then poor Daniel paid me, paid a lift to get me home. And I came, uh, I went back to my apartment and I watched the witches of Eastwick and had an amazing, <laughs> an amazing night. Uh, sounds like a great night. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I love it. I'm so anytime I can skirt a panic attack is a good time. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, Caroline, we love to ask all of our guests who come on the show, what is your personal paranormal history? Well, um, I don't really have any like crazy supernatural stories. The only thing I have had happen to me personally is just like, I've had crazy recurring dreams where this like shadowy figure, um, visits, somebody that I know and starts like whispering into their ear and they're usually like my friend is usually like creating or painting or drawing or building something and then this like shadowy creature is like whispering things in their ear and the more the person listens to them the more they start like getting really insecure and they start like like they stop creating like i've had weird things like that happen where i'll just like reach out to friends and i'll be like i hope you're doing well like i don't know i'll just reach out and be 
encouraging. I've had stuff like that. But um, my sister has a cool story that I would love to share. Um, yeah. Let's definitely want to hear that. But I have a question about this, oh, yes. these dreams. When you check in with your friends after these dreams, are they like, oh, actually, I did hit a little bit of a slump or I am a little bit like, does it ever line up with the creative slump or peak that's happening with them? Yeah, usually. So the one specifically that I remember vividly is like a coworker. Um, I had a dream that he was like drawing something that was really beautiful. And then this like shadowy thing was whispering in his ear. And the more that he listened to it, he like stopped drawing. And then he ended up like in the fetal position. And I like reached out to him the next day Mm. and I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I had this dream and he was like, that's so crazy because I've actually been like getting into drawing more. And I had no idea that he like drew or did anything like that. But he was like, he's actually really, really good. Um, And he was like, every time I like drew something, I would want to share it. And then I would just throw it away because I felt like I sucked. And I was like, well, you're really good. Like once I saw like his drawings, I was like, you should keep, you should keep like obviously you're doing something right if something's like really really trying to convince you not to you know mm. yeah that's that's wild that sounds like it's almost like an anti muse you know what i mean yeah. like instead of inspiring the creator it like shuts it's it like, down i wonder totally. if there's an entity like that in Bryce have you ever heard anything like that like is there an entity like that that exists out there i'm trying to think like well, in I mean, mythology you know, of folklore. I certainly know of the muses and stuff like that, but I'm not familiar with any sort of anti-muse. I love the idea mm-hmm. of, of that. I mean, everything contains its opposite, right? But, you know, I, I sort of saw her story as as, as a little different. I, I, I sort of saw it as maybe Caroline, you know, having privy information to, like, be a muse herself and help her friends sort of get through those uh, creative blocks, you know? So, uh, but yeah, maybe there is something to that. I don't know. Did you have a lot of weird dreams like this or prophetic dreams growing up, Caroline? I did. Like, even as a kid, I would have, like, dreams like this specifically. But it was always kind of the same. It was like this person was, like, creating something or, like, building something. Um, It was always kind of the same, like, the same creature and the same kind of theme to it. That's weird. yeah. You've had, have you ever encountered this creature in, in your life or has it always been related to someone else? It's usually been someone else. I mean, I've had like moments where I've been like writing music or performing and have had like, you know, just like a ton of anxiety or something like beforehand, but I've never like seen it like outside of my dreams though. If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Do you ever invoke the muses uh, when when you're, you know, writing a piece of music or performing? I haven't. Um, Hmm. I No. I I mean, I'll kind of like put on classical music or something. (laughs) Right. I only you don't have they're, they're, <laughs> you don't have to apologize for answering that question. <laughs> it was a strange question, you know. All no, the weirdo. All this talk of uh, the music. There, there's a great book by a guy named Stephen Pressfield, and it's called The War of Art. 
and, oh, and yeah. he talks about it's a tiny little book, but it's it's tremendous. And he talks about, you know, every time he, he sits down to write, he'll light a candle and, and he'll say an invocation to the muses uh, mm-hmm. because he really felt that, you know, some of his most creative stuff, well, basically that it came from somewhere else, that he was just a receiver uh, to a lot of the ideas and information that came through his writing. You know, he was definitely mm-hmm. aware uh, of just being a, a conduit of sorts. And I, I think that's, I think a lot of artists find that very true in their creative process as well. There's something to that. Yeah. Well, I, I think the that. thing that's really cool about, especially like perform music performers. And I think things that like being a music artist, it feels a lot, almost like a magic ritual or invocation, you know, mm-hmm. way more than, <clears throat> excuse me, way more often than like <clears throat> acting does you know you usually go to a show the um the artist is often dressed in a type of wardrobe that's not necessarily what they're always wearing every day you know i'm thinking of something like bowie or even the shows that i've mm-hmm. seen you do caroline like mm-hmm. you know you have some visual element up on the uh, up behind you there's mm-hmm. lights music lyrics it feel i mean music to me always feels like a little bit of a magic ritual you know yeah I love it. Yeah, it's there's almost this like control of like when people come to a show, they're kind of like immersed in your world. And I love just kind of, I don't know, creating that. It's almost, I mean, it's similar to acting in a way because there is kind of this like fourth wall that you put up and you're kind of, I don't know. I love the idea of kind of inviting people kind of taking them away into your own world. Well, yeah. And it's yeah. putting them on the same energy or the same frequency and vibration. Everybody in the room is sharing a communal experience. So there's, yeah. there's something about, uh, about a church experience like that. You know, it, it is very mm. occult and ritualistic. I think, I think you're right on Mike. Yeah. Riley, certainly you've had experiences like that performing with Spindrift, I would imagine. Definitely. Yeah. I, I think about that stuff a lot. And I mean, even down to just the band rehearsing is a, is like a, a repeated ritual that's like preparing this sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's definitely uh, a sum is greater than the parts kind of thing to playing in a band. And that, that's what makes it so exciting. It's, you know, there's I, there's a yeah, you kind of stir something up. You, you summon something that's bigger than just the band or the audience it's everybody kind of comes together and creates something and I, there's a i mean magic is a strong word but there's there's a magic to it you know there's an alchemy to it where well, something is created you know yeah i think i guess what i'm thinking like and let me know if you two have ever experienced something like this i don't know grant morrison is really on my mind ever since we spoke to john tenney and then henry zabrowski last week like i've been revisiting i was listening to interviews with grant morrison and um He's an author, comic book writer, and um, he's also into like chaos magic and magic. And um, the idea of like, I, it would be curious, I'd be curious to find out that like, if there's a song that when you sing on stage specifically, you know, over and over again, if there's something like, oh, every time I perform that song, th- I always notice that this thing happens to me later, you know, or like I always, mm-hmm. you know, it could be something as stupid as like, Every time I sing that song, I always see this type of bird the next day, you know, or something like that. Or like, I always get this type of feeling or this experience. In, in other words, I wonder if like ever singing songs, performing these t- this type of right in public, 
create some type of result or manifestation that you may or may not be aware of, you know, and maybe I'm grasping Mm -hmm. at straws here, but has there ever been something like, you know, it's funny every time of this song, I do this or perform this, this happens. Every time Africa plays, I just start crying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> openly weeping. Well, I mean, it kind of ties, it kind of ties into that in a weird way. Uh, you know, I don't know, but I'd be interested in finding out like if there is anything that ever happens that to you like that as a performer, like any coincidence or synchronicity with, with songs that you specifically perform in public. I don't think i've experienced that but i don't know if i've i'm definitely going to be more aware of that now um it'd be you should try writing a song that's like a specific spell in terms of like i want something to obtain in my life i'm going to write this song to get it and mm-hmm. see if there's any changes or if you get any results you know yeah i mean i probably sound totally fucking insane but no no i love that idea I'm just going to write a song that's going to be like, oh, sorry. What were you saying? Oh, no. Oh, it's just, no, absolutely. I was just going to say, you know, all across the world, you know, indigenous tribes, they, they use music. They use the beat of the drum to enter altered states of consciousness. So there's, there's, there's really something to music, you know, changing one's paradigm. And and it can actually, I mean, people enter altered states of consciousness through music all the time. Yeah. yeah, that's where I was going to go with answering your question, Michaels. It's not so much about like noticing some sort of physical thing in the world, like, oh, I see this or this happens. But there are those times when you get into this like this headspace where you really it's like a it's like you're really in a meditation or something where you just sort of forget that you're even playing and mm-hmm. you, you just everything kind of just goes away. And it's it's really like a high that you end up chasing after that, where it's just like it's so nice i'm sure you you can get that in acting too where like the script is gone the camera is gone and you're just you are that character but it's like Mm -hmm. it's so fleeting and it's so rare when you when you get it though it's like it's it's the best that's Mm -hmm. that's the magic for me i've definitely had that but it's to be honest it was more when i more doing theater you know what i mean Mm -hmm. where that that makes sense because i think as you get to hold onto that moment a little bit longer in theater and that feels more again like a, a live ritual or ceremony you know, there's something about having that live audience there. And obviously there's something very powerful about, you know, using technology to reach mass audiences as well. That's its own type of, you know, magic for lack of a better term. But yeah, that moment of like losing yourself, I've definitely experienced as an actor before for, for sure. Mm. Yeah, that's the creative magic right there. Yeah. So w- Caroline, what is mm. this strange, spooky story that happened to your sister you said yes so my older sister katie lives in weimar germany um she's a mixed media artist um she's super talented she's done like a ton of paintings and installations in berlin um so she teaches art and english at these summer camps every year um and a friend of hers um i don't remember her name but we'll just call her susie um was working at a summer camp as a counselor and it was going to be in this castle. Um, and all the people who lived nearby warned her that, uh, that a ghost lived there and it was a lady in a black dress. Um, and they said the ghost had been there forever and was just a part of life at the castle. Uh, 
and Susie was just kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm not superstitious, but I'm just going to tell the kids, or I'm not going to tell the kids or the other counselors. <laughs> I'm just going to tell the kids it's definitely a, a, a ghost of a woman in a black dress in that castle. Yeah, I'm just going to scare the shit out of all these children. Um, so she didn't want to freak anybody out, so she just like didn't tell anybody. So they end up having this summer camp at this castle, and everything's going fine, except after the first night, there was a group of girls who had trouble sleeping, and they told Susie that a lady in a black dress showed up in their room, and it scared the shit out of them. So no. I know. So as the week went on, more and more weird things started happening, um, and one day, or one time, they were all in bed asleep, and everyone was in their beds, and a uh, hair straightener randomly flew across across the room what um i know and then one time there was a door that randomly like locked from the inside and it felt like someone on the other side of the room was like pulling at the doorknob and so they kept pulling and pulling and finally the door came unlocked um and there was like nobody in the room um so there was like weird shit that started happening and so Susie was like trying to calm everybody down. She didn't want anybody to be scared. So, um, but like more and more kids were saying that a lady in a black dress was like appearing to them at their room or in their room at night. Um, so Susie decided to get all the counselors and all the kids together, um, to prove that there was nothing to be afraid of and that there wasn't a ghost. And she called all the kids and the counselors together in the middle of the room, nobody was close to the walls. And she said, okay, if there's a ghost in this house, please turn the light off two times. And they all, (laughs) they all waited, nothing happened for a while. And then all of a sudden the light turns off slowly two times. So, (laughs) (laughs) So all the kids and the counselors just like start freaking out. So, <laughs> ultimate backfire. I know. Totally. So since then, since then, they haven't had oh like God, any amazing. camps at this castle anymore, and they haven't visited it since. So, like, it, yeah, it's like a bad leading question. You're like, if you're here to harm a child or yeah. inj- or hurt one, <laughs> yeah. tap on the door once. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Just to prove that there's no ghosts here, I'm going to ask a, the ghost to levitate one of you 360 degrees and then drop you on the ground. What do you remember? The, does your sister, can you find out the name of this castle for us? Because I'd love to look Absolutely. this location up. I'd Also, yeah. castle camp? Why isn't this right? more of a thing? Oh, that sounds Why? fun. Like, Seriously. That would yeah. be the fucking coolest. Yeah. I know. I was, for real. I was. I was kind of hoping the counselor was like gather them all together to be like, guys, there is a ghost here, and we have to hunt it and capture it. <laughs> oh That's why you're actually here. Did I ever tell you the name thing. of my camp? No. Oh, no. So I did a camp. It was called Camp Idrahaji. Now Idrahaji is Wait, the say first it again. two letters. Say it again. Interrupt it. Okay. Oh, Idrahaji. Okay. So Idrahaji is the first two <laughs> letters of I'd rather have Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <Nice. laughs> Isn't that great? I had a great time. Awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did you have one of those I'd giant have Jesus. inflatable <laughs> tubes that you could jump off the high dive in, like into the lake, and then the big inflatable tube will catapult your friend off into the lake? No, that would have been great, though. I know. My, that was the only reason I wanted to go to Young Life Christian Camp is because this girl that I had a crush on was showing me all these pictures of this giant inflatable thing that was in the lake that would <laughs> catapult. I was like, I'm in. Can I go, please? Come to Christ. We have a giant bouncy. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> That's how they get you. I mean, if Jesus, if Jesus handed out bouncy castles, that I mean, there you go. That's the way to get them hooked. Yeah. Michael, this could be your thing, Bouncy yeah. Church. I always wanted a, <laughs> a friend and I, <laughs> Bouncy Church. <laughs> you imagine the pews? The pews are just like inflatable tubes. Boing, 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 boing. Here's the thing, guys. It's church, but it's bouncy. But it's bouncy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Wait, so, so tell us more of Idra Haji there. Oh, well, yes. so, so yeah, I... I, don't, I think you guys know, but I've, I attended a Lutheran school uh, most of my life, and it was just one of the camps that they sent us to in like seventh or eighth grade or something like that. I just always got a kick out of that name. It was just like, how how lame could you get? But <laughs> the camp was actually really fun. I passed a lot of notes to a lot of girls, and and I had a, <laughs> I, you know, I had a good time, so I can't complain. Yeah. How how old are you when oh, you're doing God. this? This is like seventh grade, so I'm like probably thirteen, fourteen, maybe. And was there any, were there any local, like, did this camp come with any local urban legends or folklore or was it all just strictly Jesus? No, strict, no, there was nothing fun like that. No, it was just, uh, <laughs> it's only one ghost here and it's holy. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, tonight before you go to bed, the Holy Spirit might get you, but it's a good thing. It's, a, it's good a good thing. thing. It's a good thing. Let him touch your heart. <laughs> yeah. Oh Let that Holy Spirit into your sleeping bag. <laughs> Wait, so is it... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Hold on now. It's confusing. It's... it's a lot of mixed messages. That's why you got a tent bouncy church, so we can straighten this all yeah. out. <laughs> Wait, so is that catchphrase like supposed to be like what you'd say if someone's like, hey, you want some drugs? And you're like, I'd rather have Jesus. Yeah, I'd Rahaji, that... fool. <laughs> is that what that is? I don't know, but I think it can be used like that for sure. And yeah. this sounds like a guy who's like, God damn it, I really wanted to get what would Jesus do? And it's already taken. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I got w- it. <laughs> WWJD, um, Ider Haji. That's Ooh, cool, right, yeah, guys? That's, that's cool. That's like, sounds really cool, right? I was always yeah. good at branding. <laughs> Ider Haji, Jesus. Anyway. Sounds like a bad Star Wars character. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, did you ever go to camp? Were there any local? Were there any urban legends where you grew up? Where did you Where did you grow up? By the way, we skipped oh, over man. that part. Oh yeah, I grew up in Tyler, Texas. Um, there were definitely Ooh. like a lot of like Christian camps and Young Life like camps. Um, you know, there was like a lot of like Southern Baptist churches. So like drinking was like awful and dancing was awful. It was like basically like, uh, I mean, not that, <laughs> yeah, it was like Footloose. Um, yeah, I actually just and forgot your question. That might be the weed from last night. That's okay. <laughs> it's, you know, it's 420 all Jesus. I, <laughs> so, I uh, Haji. There, yeah, I don't, now it's just an excuse. <laughs> I don't know, Haji. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
I wondered if there was any like, did were there any like urban legends like or haunted houses yeah. or like local cryptids where you grew up? Like, uh, oh, there was supposedly this this thing, this lake had this monster or anything like that. Growing up, that you remember? I don't think so. The only thing I can think of is there was like this like patch of land in the country that there was. I mean, I guess there was somebody found a dead body there once, and then like. <laughs> <laughs> and I, sh- I don't sorry, know why I'm laughing. I tried. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> there was like somebody found a dead body there, and then like there were always ever since then there were like coyote. There were like a lot of coyotes in that area, but that's the only like. Can't really think of any like urban legends though. I'm looking up on Houston Press from uh, February 3rd, 2014. This is an article by Jeff Rauner. I was looking up local Texas cryptids. And here's one that I've never heard about. The Wampus Cat. Have you heard about this, Bryce? Yeah, I have. It's like a large black cat, right? The Wampus Cat comes down to us from Cherokee Legends of Tennessee through sightings of similar large feline cryptids uh, and sightings of larger... uh, Similar large feline cryptids are not uncommon in Texas. Mm. Supposedly, the wampus cat was originally a woman who spied on her husband wearing a lion skin and was sentenced to wander the earth as a cat forever as punishment. All right. So this is a bit misogynistic, but, you know, a lot of a lot of folklore is the animal is described as larger, faster and more powerful than a mountain lion, though not by much. Some reports say it walks on its hind legs. Others that it walks on either all four or possibly six legs. Occasionally, the beast is claimed to be able to regenerate quickly from wounds. Oh, so it's like Wolverine. Wow. Hey, all you cool cool cats and kittens. I'm going to be wandering the earth as a wampus cat. (laughs) I I am a bad woman who spied on my husband. My it's husband my... cheated on me, and I'm getting punished <laughs> yeah. for it. I had good reason to figure out what he was up to, but of course, I'm in trouble now. Uh, and then no of one course... will ever see me in this lion outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the perfect disguise. I told you I'm busy in here. <laughs> yeah. I'm jerking off to all these dead lion skins. Uh, <laughs> Chupacabra, of course, is uh, famous Texas uh, yeah. goat sucker. Yeah. Um yeah. it's a fairly recent cryptid with sightings only dating back to the 1990s and almost in every case carcasses claimed to be the creature turned out to be coyotes afflicted with mange. So there you go. That maybe that was a, a chupacabra in the field. And then of oh, course yeah. the Lake Worth monster which we did an episode of um a couple years ago which was a giant white Bigfoot like creature that had horns that was terrorizing a bunch of teenagers making out down at a lake. Um, and then something called the Ozark Howler. Hmm. Uh, as its name implies, the Howler is more common east of Texas, but its cat-like cousin, the Wampus Cat, has been known to venture into the state and as far north as Missouri. Okay. Uh, the general description is of a large cat the size of a brown bear, sometimes described as having horns, though it is more likely they are extremely pointed ears, like a lynx. Uh, that's just ears. They ain't, they ain't horns on there. Um, what do you think of all these cool. monsters and stuff? Are you into that, Carolina? Or are you into more ghosts and aliens? Or where, where where does your interest lie in any of this stuff? Or does it? 
Um, I think mine is more in like ghosts and like supernatural uh, stuff like that. I don't have a lot of experience with like aliens or um, like urban legends or monsters, though. But I'm definitely mm. interested in it, though. Cool. Well, that's a perfect cue if I've ever heard one for a game that we like to play with all of our guests, Caroline. Uh, it's a rapid fire game. I'm going to go down a list of phenomenon. And if you're open to it, you're going to say, believe it. If you're not, you're going to say bullshit. Got it? <laughs> Got this it. is a game that we like to call bullshit or believe it. Caroline Brooks, on your mark, get set, ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Little gray aliens. Believe it. Out-of-body experiences. Believe it. Demonic possession. Believe it. The Bermuda Triangle. Believe it. Alien abductions. Believe it. <laughs> Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Time travel. Mm, bullshit. Mothman. Bullshit. Reincarnation. Mm, believe it. ESP. Believe it. Haunted houses. Believe it. The Illuminati. Mm, believe it. There's a face on Mars. Bullshit. Skunk ape. Bullshit. Heaven. Believe it. Hell. Believe it. Sea serpents. Believe it. Poltergeists. Ooh. Mm, believe it. Chupacabra. Believe it. Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> believe such it. such a happy believe it. <laughs> Life on other planets. Believe it. Parallel dimensions. Believe it. The apocalypse. Believe it. Life after death. Believe it. Wow. Well done. Yeah, well that's done. a lot. Well Believe it. Hey. You Bryce, you must be happy you with those results. That was wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> wonderful, Caroline. Wonderful. <laughs> you did marvelous. <laughs> I love the, I did enjoy the chupacabra. Believe it. Like, just very. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like I said Care Bears. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> any of those jump out to you or bring up any visceral reaction like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised, for example, that you uh said believe it to Bigfoot. That's not we don't get that a lot. Really? But that's the name yeah. of your podcast though. I know. We should know. have those people. I know. <laughs> should not be She's allowed like, to be on the show. I know. Do you just kick them off immediately when they're like, I don't believe in Bigfoot? Yeah, this episode's like, over. So hypocrisy. you get you get to actually have a second half of the episode. Um, <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> so what 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 do you th when you picture Bigfoot? What do you picture in your mind? Um, I mean i I picture. I think there is a creature. I mean, I think it's very possible. I don't know. I'm also very open minded about a lot of things because I feel like there's just so much that we can't explain and probably will never be able to explain but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i kind of just see just see him as kind of a big hairy tall monster 
Um, Is he like his own thing or is he part of a species? Is he like a Santa Claus? You know, I think he could be part of a species. He or she could be part of a species. Let me lead. Let me. I think what Mike. Let me lead it this way. Do you think Bigfoot is more of like an undiscovered primate, like uh, like the gorilla was uh, almost a hundred years ago, or do you think it's more of a uh, missing link type ancestral lineage to uh, to the human species? To the you know, where do you fall on that? Interesting. Um, I guess I would say maybe it it might it could very possibly be. And this is me having done like not really a lot of homework on that at all. Neither <laughs> but, have we. <laughs> um, I think it could be just a species that hasn't really been discovered yet. Mm, I mean, I think that's that. highly possible. I like one of the reasons I sometimes ask this question is because I think we're at the point now where we take for granted and we're so deep and for lack of a better metaphor, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees when it comes to Bigfoot, because I think we're so down a certain path of exploring this topic that I oftentimes we forget that like some people their only exposure to the idea of Bigfoot's like Harry and the Hendersons, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I always like to go, Hey, you know, using that as like a, uh, a measuring device of like, what, yeah, what do you think of when you think of Bigfoot, you know, um, just as sort of like to get people's temperature on the topic, because we're, 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 we're now fully in the crazy camp, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. We take, we take for granted that some people are like, ah, uh, he's like something I see on a t-shirt and that's about it, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, I totally see him as like a mixture between Harry and the Hendersons and like just kind of a like a monster that you'd see on Star Wars or something. Yes. You know, yes, absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness with Bell Saint, a.k.a. Caroline Brooks. Okay, cool. Everybody stand by for one second. I'm yep. going to start a new recording. <laughs> okay. All right, children, it's time for this week's story of high strangeness. And tonight's tale is told by none other than Mr. Bryce Johnson. Thank you, Michael. Thank you very much. To begin, I'd like to start with a quote. If thou tastest a crust of bread, thou tastest all the stars and all the heavens. English poet Robert Browning. I've always loved this next story. Perhaps because it took place on the same day as my birthday, April 18th. And on my birthday, I had the wonderful pleasure of being served breakfast in bed by my wife and two kitties. This is my Bryce's wife, way of, of reminding <clears throat> us that we forgot his birthday because he's yeah. never actually told us when it is until now. Well, I'm telling you now, Michael. Happy birthday, Bryce. Thank Happy you. birthday, Bryce. Happy Thank birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you, Caroline. <laughs> My wife made me brioche French toast. And so, too, the man at the center of this story of high strangeness was also served a breaded breakfast treat. Only not in bed, and certainly not from his wife. Rather, it was served to him as he was tending to his chickens by three Italian-looking space people that arrived in a flying saucer. This is the story of Joe Simonton and his space cakes, also known as the Eagle River Close Encounter. 
I almost did morning. this last week. <laughs> uh, such a good one. Yeah, this is a great one. On the morning of April 18th, 1961, at approximately 11 a.m., Joe Simington, a hardworking and honest man of about 60, was tending his chicken farm near the vicinity of Eagle River, Wisconsin, when all of a sudden, and from out of nowhere, he heard a strange sound, which he described as knobby tires on wet pavement. He turned his attention to where the sound was coming from, and that's when he saw it. A bright, silvery, saucer-shaped object hovering close to the ground, but not quite touching it. The object was about 12 feet high and 30 feet in diameter, and if that weren't enough, a hatch opened up on the vehicle, and that's when old Joe saw what appeared to be three men inside. They were about five feet tall, about a buck and a quarter each, that's Jim Talk for 125 pounds, clean-shaven, with dark hair and a dark, albeit lovely skin complexion, resembling Italians. Buongiorno. They wore black two-piece outfits, complete with turtlenecks, and get this, knit helmets. Arnona, she knit us these beautiful space caps for our trips around the sun. <laughs> All right, I think I should mention here that uh, they don't... Oh, Michael, relax that they don't actually speak in Italian accents. In fact, they didn't speak at all. But they did communicate a few things. One of them grabbed a silver jug of sorts made out of the same-looking material as the spaceship itself. And when the being simply pointed his finger to its empty content, Joe said he immediately got the message. You want some water? I suppose I can do that. So old Joe heads inside to his house, fills the space jug with water, and comes back outside. And as he's handing over the water, he sees one of the occupants cooking something on some type of flameless grill. Joe quotes, I couldn't see any heated grill nor flames, yet he seemed to be cooking or frying cakes. I was interested in them, and the man in the hatchway noted my interest and walked over and scooped up some of them and gave them to me. They looked somewhat like pancakes. The space cakes were about three inches in diameter and perforated with small holes. And there's a picture of Joe with holding one of these pancakes we'll, we'll put on our social Instagram page. Now, of course, Joe, not wanting to be rude, he ate one, and he described the taste as a little like cardboard. From there, Joe was able to describe the interior of the spaceship as black, like the color of wrought iron, with several beautiful instrument panels. And standing as close as he was, he said he could hear that the ship made a slow whining sound, similar to the sound of a generator. Now, after the exchange, the spaceman gave Joe a salute, to which Joe saluted back, naturally. And the being closest to the hatch attached a type of belt to a hook in his clothing and closed the hatch. The craft lifted off about 20 feet into the air before blasting off in a southwardly direction at a 45-degree angle which caused some nearby pine trees to bend due to the force. Not your typical morning. Now, if this was just a, a dream, even a realistic one at that, you know, you would just shake it off and you'd go about your business. But I think, and I propose that this was not just some dream or hallucination, but some type of supernatural event that really took place, just like Joe described. Let me tell you why. For starters, the first thing he did right after the strange metallic vehicle took off was immediately called the sheriff's department, who sent out two deputies. Not only that, but Joe had something most contactees or abductees don't. Proof. Sort of. He had himself a couple of those space cakes left behind. 
More on those in a minute. Now the two deputies examined the area, but weren't able to find any evidence. However, Sheriff Schroeder, who had known Joe for 14 years, believed Joe's story. Like I said, Joe was an upstanding member of the small community and not prone to exaggeration. Furthermore, the sheriff figured, what did he have to gain by telling this fanciful and ludicrous story other than the pain and humiliation of being considered crazy and having to deal with nosy reporters excited for a quick bite at his expense? Now, on to the space cakes. The story quickly caught the interest of the local Air Force base, who alerted Dr. J. Allen Hynek of the famed Project Blue Book, who came onto the scene with Major Robert Friend and an officer from nearby Sawyer Air Force Base, who stated, There's no question that Mr. Simonton felt that his contact had been a real experience. The next logical step, of course, was to analyze those space cakes, and that's exactly what they did, the report of which stated, The cake was composed of hydrogenated fat, starch, buckwheat hulls, soybean hulls, wheat bran. Bacteria and radiation readings were normal for this material. Chemical infrared and other destructive type tests were run on this material. The Food and Drug Laboratory of the U.S. Department of Health, Education, and Welfare concluded that the material was an ordinary pancake of terrestrial origin. Interesting. However, there was one anomaly, which is peculiar and yet perhaps hold clues as to the possible source of the phenomenon. Those space pancakes contained not one trace of salt or otherwise, not even one tiny molecule, highly unusual for the baking materials involved. Now this is where things get interesting. Famed astrophysicist and ufologist Jacques Vallée in his book Passport to Magonia points to the fact that old legends of fairies and mythical creatures have an apparent disliking, indeed, complete aversion to salt and offers the insight of Walter Evans Wentz, an American writer who collected many tales of these strange supernatural beings, who in Celtic legends were known as the gentry. Not only did they not eat anything salt, but they also only drank pure water, coincidentally, which was the request of the strange visitors to Joe. Wentz tells us a little bit more about the gentry. The gentry are a fine, large race who live out on the sea and in the mountains, and they are all very good neighbors. The bad ones are not the gentry at all, but fallen angels, and they live in the woods and not the sea. They travel greatly and can appear in different forms. They can make their presence known to ordinary people and even amongst crowds. The gentry take a great interest in the affairs of men and always stand for justice and right. Sometimes they fight amongst themselves. They take young and intelligent people who are interesting. They take the whole body and soul, transmuting the body to a body like their own. Now what Valet also draws our attention to is the notion that up until around the mid to late 1800s, interaction with humans and these gentry were relatively regular. However, as the 20th century progressed, sightings and interactions with them became less and less. Now did these gentry suddenly just die out? Did they retreat further into the shadows? Or maybe, just maybe, they haven't gone anywhere and that they are still making contact with us, albeit under a new guise. UFOs, and more specifically their occupant, occupants, could just be the latest form which the gentry have decided to take. Is it possible that these shape-shifting creatures have altered their appearance in order to fit the modern age? Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. Just kidding, that was a... Never mind. And so... <laughs> 
we start to see some common patterns between fairy creatures of the past and aliens of the present. Something as simple as the exchange of food and water is our clue in. This is not the only case to be looked at. In fact, there are so many cases of these food offerings that Joshua Kutchin wrote an entire book on the subject entitled Trojan Feast, The Food Offerings of Aliens, Sasquatch, and Fairies. That's right, you heard that right. Even Bigfoot has been known to get in the food exchange game. I highly recommend the book. Back to those space cakes. Another interesting detail about the pancakes that were given to Joe is that they were composed of, amongst other things, buckwheat hulls. And while that may seem pretty mundane, buckwheat is closely associated with one of the most conservative Celtic areas known as Brittany. And in that area of France, the belief in fairies, or the fae, is still widespread. In his book, The Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns, and Fairies, a study in folklore and psychical research, Robert Kirk regales us with a magical story about buckwheat cakes. It seems that once upon a time, a black cow belonging to a little cave-dwelling fairy ruined the buckwheat field of a poor woman who bitterly complained about the damage. The fairies made a deal with her. They would see to it that she would never run out of buckwheat cakes, provided she kept her mouth shut. And indeed, she and her family discovered that their supply of cakes were inexhaustible. Alas, one day the woman gave some of the cake to a man who should not have been entrusted with the secret of its magical origin, and the family had to go back to the ordinary way of making buckwheat cakes. And speaking of keeping one's mouth shut, Joe Simonton regretted having ever said anything to anyone at all, stating to the United Press International, I haven't been able to work for three weeks. I'm going to have to start making money somehow. Adding that the next time he saw a flying saucer, he would just keep it to himself. Although, interestingly enough, in 1970, 1970, Joe was visited by a man named Lee Alexander, a UFO enthusiast active in the Detroit area. Now, Simonton told Alexander that he had received more visits from those aliens, but decided not to tell anyone because of the way his first report had been received and the headaches that followed. A simple meal shared is often overlooked by us, but the fact that such meaning is attached to it can readily be seen in weddings, ceremonies, and other traditional meetings. Sharing food bonds us in some strange way. When you first meet someone you like, what's the first thing you think of in order to establish a deeper connection? Michael, I'm asking you. My wife says that my my buckwheat cakes taste like cardboard and they're burnt, but I swear they came from Italians from outer space. Well, that's right. It's going for lunch or dinner or even just coffee. Uh, you know, when an Italian from outer space salutes me, I salute them back because I, God damn it, I might not be a great breakfast chef, but I'm an American first and foremost. <laughs> The importance of food exchange can even be found from our visitors from heaven, as this passage from the Bible so eloquently states. Let a little water, I pray, be fetched, and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. And after that ye shall pass on, for therefore ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And that's the story of Joe Simonton and his space cakes. Whoa! Ooh, nice. Yes, you got a little got a little churchy on us there at the end, huh? Well, a little Idra uh, Idra Haji, Michael. Yeah, a little Idra Haji on us, huh? Idra <laughs> Haji. 
that's that's awesome i uh i i just knew that story casually and i was thinking about doing that for last week's episode so it was great to hear the whole thing and we've we've you've referenced this these space cakes before a few times before on the show so it was good to get the full story yeah i love the idea of these uh you know aliens coming down and making flapjacks it's incredible caroline what the hell was that what i mean what was the what what do you you think about this story (laughs) It's really interesting. I mean, I feel like immediately my brain went to like, man, that'd be cool if we made like a restaurant with and just had it be space cakes. But then I feel like I would I would randomly not get work for like a really long time if I did that. (laughs) Is anyone who talked about it would get punished. Well, you know, if you're close to a Google search bar, just type in his name, Joe Simonton, S-I-M-O-N-T-O-N, and pancakes, and it'll show you a picture of Joe and and one of the space cakes that he kept. Uh, Like he said, it's perforated with a bunch of holes. It looks very strange. And uh, and he kept one. He gave one to the Air Force for for examination. And yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I like that these um, yeah. these Italian aliens are on a low sodium diet and only drink water. <laughs> <laughs> very, very I love the fact that they had a knitted helmet. Like, like, yeah. you know, what the hell? What the hell is that? And we're turtlenecks. So strange. Yeah, it's weird because <laughs> a lot a lot of these pre alien like pre grays alien stories that are uh, predate the 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 alien grays they. They are more like these little men, more human-like, wearing strange outfits instead of the big-headed gray aliens with black eyes wearing silver jumpsuits or just being yeah. like apparently no clothing at all. It's a very it's it's weird, you know. Again, if we're going to go into the idea of this being sort of a uh, a form like the gentry or the fae that sort of shape shift throughout time, it's it's I find it a little fascinating that in the in mid-century america a lot of these quote-unquote aliens look like immigrants from other countries you know what i mean it speaks to a lot of where the um headspace was in uh, in uh, in america at the time and then also just how you know the image of aliens have evolved over uh you you know over time it's it's just very strange very weird stuff a lot to unpack there um the the other thing that jumped out to me while you're reading this story uh bryson great job thank you was um synchronicity uh abound that grant morrison who i've been falling back into this week the gentry actually show up a lot in his dc comics as a uh as a group of entities that are trying to destroy the fabric of the multiverse they're like oh, bad guys so he draws upon this stuff as well and they're like they're basically like nightmarish horrific that uh entities that are ba- really trying to unravel uh life and the fabric of reality itself so mm. they're like really evil bad ugly nightmare ent- entities in the dc universe yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pretty fascinating because, like I said, you know, there's a there's a lot of stories, and and those who are well versed in in sort of the legend and lore of the fairies know that if 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 you get taken to quote fairyland, do not partake of any of the food or drink offerings that they give you, because mm-hmm. if you do, then you will stay in fairyland forever. Oh, 
it all sounds so crazy, but uh, the whole idea of these, you know, food exchanges, and, and especially even with the, the alien and abductee case, so, so, so often in these abductee cases, they tell the aliens giving them some sort of, some sort of pill or some sort of liquid before their, you know, procedure starts or whatever. Um, all very strange. It's strange. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of um, Joe Simonton. Simonton? How do I say yeah, it? Yeah. Um, with the space cake. It looks crazy. It's funny because I the first thing, when I just looked up space cakes, uh, there was like all these, there were all these advertisements for cakes with weed in them. And so I was going to say, take take to your local uh, weed shop. Yeah. Yeah. That was was my idea. That was mine. That's my, I'll sue. I'm a goddamn American. I will sue. You know what? I have you guys seen uh, the man who fell to earth uh, with David Bowie with Bowie. Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. When you were describing the gentry, I was thinking of like David Bowie because he came down as this just like, Super stylish, um, brilliant. Uh, I don't know. I, I pictured that. What is it? A head. movie? I yeah, yeah. Thanks, you'd love it. No, that's a it's a great reference for it. Yeah. That's a perfect. I'm looking it up yeah. right now. Oh, that I, I, I know what it yeah. is, and I am ashamed to admit I've never never seen this movie. But oh uh, my gosh. movie club, yes. movie club. That I might think actually Criterion be... has it out. Oh, nice. It's great. It's that's really a fun. It's oh, like yeah, the it's perfect just, movie to watch really. on 422 because it's like it is. Oh yeah, that it is. Well, really? Riley's got his day scheduled out now. That's right. <laughs> just call me Space Cakes, baby. Awesome. Well, Caroline Brooks, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, where can people find your music uh, under hey. the name Bell Saint? Yeah, I mean, it is um, on all platforms, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Amazon, wherever you do music. Um, and my website is bellsaintmusic.com. I'm on we'll Instagram. We'll throw up a link to that in the show notes. Sweet. Uh, Bell Saint Music is my Instagram handle. And yeah. And you have a new uh, music video out? I do. I just released a music video for um, a song on me, my EP called Light Gold to Me. Awesome. Um, yeah. And Checking then there's, out. you have another track out on uh, the new Reese Witherspoon show. Is that correct? Yeah. I did um, a cover of Alanis Morissette's song, Uninvited, and it is featured on the soundtrack for uh, Little Fires Everywhere. And it's a, it's a hot show. Yes. It's a, yeah, I won't give in anything away, but it's a good, it's a good moment of the show. Oh, wow. awesome. Congratulations. That's really, really great. And as a fan, you should definitely check out Carolyn's music. Um, is it possible we could close this episode out with a Bell Saint song? Like, can we throw up a track at the end of this? Or is that like a, is that like, uh, we're going to get in trouble by the label? Yeah, no, go for it. Okay, what song would you like to put at the end of this episode? Ooh, my first instinct is um, Sunshiny Rainbow. That's the first one. Um, Okay, great. First song on my EP. All right. uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. You can always follow us at Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram and Bigfoot Pod on Twitter. Uh, Please go to... uh, I forgot to cue this up, but please go to... 
uh, Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. Uh, and if you do, then we will read one of your five-star reviews right here on the show. Absolutely. Like this one, very short and sweet. This is called Fantastic Five Stars by C-R-S-V-N-A. Crisvana? I don't know. Uh, Idaho G. Uh, uh, what is this? Idrahaji, brah. Idrahaji, brah. All right. This reviewer says, excellent podcast. Open your mind, suspend your disbelief, and have a blast. I would date any of these guys. Upside down, smiley face. So thank you. Uh, All right, everybody. Uh, Until next week, I remain Michael McMillan for Bryce Johnson and uh, Mr. Super Producer Riley Bray. Good night. And go get regressed. Sometimes I feel like I'm from another planet Watching the way people walk and talk Call up my friends but they're all on vacation In some hotel with a swim up bar I don't have money, 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 money But I'm feeling like a queen in my own right Nothing in my pocket, pocket, pocket But I know, I know exactly what I like Ooh, I'm on a side At least I don't clap on the one and three Crowded rooms make me claustrophobic Cut the small talk, come with me I don't have money, 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 money But I'm feeling like a queen in my own right Nothing in my pocket, pocket, pocket But I know, I know exactly what I like Ooh, I'm on the Together, space cakes. Uh, Come on, space cakes. I'm just gonna start calling everyone space cakes now. For sure, the name of the uh, for sure the name of the episode is Space Cakes with Bell Saint. I mean, what a better title than that? Um, Okay, I'm scrolling down.
Sorry, Riley. Stop. I could also see that be like the the pedal steel player in BJ and the Shadow Bats. It's called Space Cakes. <laughs> that's your, that's uh, Space Cakes. That's your uh, your your nom de plure. Oh my um, god! I've got it right. now. I've got to compile all these song titles and 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 really create some album cover art. And re- I'm telling you, dude, really I will write up. this with you. We need to make this. We dude, we can use some of that. Uh, some of those drawings from the Mothman prophecies as part as the cover for it. So I have a fictitious band, Caroline, called the BJ and the Shadow Bats, and uh, yeah, it's very bluesy and and uh, and and rock and roll. Nice, that's awesome. We haven't actually written any of the music. Yeah, no, yet, there's no we've, music. We've, it's just we've titled like twenty songs, and there's, there's six albums. And I, and I can't sing or play an instrument, but I know one right, day yeah. it's going to happen. So it's all going to come together. That's amazing. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.